John Nix, and you're listening to the One More Verse podcast. One More Verse is a resource to help people understand the Bible by walking through the scriptures together. The passage for today is Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through chapter 6, verse 10. Everyone knows about the battle inside. It's the flesh versus the spirit. Paul has just set up for the Galatians. He's walked them through the freedom that comes in Christ, but he reminds them that freedom does not mean that you're supposed to use that freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And so he gives them the way that this is supposed to work. He tells us to walk by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's important for us to remember that when it comes to the Holy Spirit, a lot of times we get a little confused about God, the Holy Spirit. Most of the time, we depersonalize him, and instead of referring to him as a he, we refer to him as an it. For the Holy Spirit is one of those things within the triune God that we sometimes have difficulty acknowledging or remembering. Perhaps we've got some deficiencies in our theological training. Perhaps we have not been precise enough in our language when it comes to the Scripture. But for whatever reason, we often disconnect our lives from God the Spirit, but Paul tells us that this is the way that we are to walk. We're to walk by the Holy Spirit. We're not to give in to the the desires of the flesh. Uh, Everyone knows that the desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit. And these new desires that the Spirit has created within us, these desires to love and obey God, to see Him as greater and more glorious, we want to do those things, but we know there's a battle inside. Those things are opposed to one another. And they keep us from doing the things that we want to do. Paul reminds us that if we're led by the Spirit, we're not under the law. But everybody knows about the conflict on the inside. The things that no one else sees. The thoughts. The battles of will. The things that we hide. The things that enslave us. The things that keep us trapped in shame. Whatever it is, our flesh is the enemy that seeks our destruction. And we know our biggest problem is not our environment. Our biggest problem is not the people around us. Our biggest problem is us. Augustine used to pray, Lord, deliver me from that evil man, myself. Paul talked about what this war was like in in Romans chapter 7 when he says, you know, I want to do the stuff that I ought to do, but instead I do the stuff I ought not do. And instead of doing the stuff I wanted to do, I do the stuff I don't want to do. And when I don't do the stuff that I do want to do, it just leaves me frustrated. Oh, wretched man that I am. He knows that there is this this battle on the inside. And so he begins to walk out for us and he gives us one of those lists that in those lists, sometimes I think we get a little too caught up in the details. It's a non-exhaustive list, but it's a fairly extensive list. He talks about what the works of the flesh look like. He walks through things like sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness. He's, he's walking through all these things, but we must not think that this is the end of the list. He's just given the people at Galatia an understanding, hey, if you're confused, let's walk out what some of these things look like. And for some of us, we like to check those boxes on some of the things that, uh, you know, we don't think that we struggle with. But the reality of things is, in idolatry, we all have an idol of some sort. In, in, in our lives, there are often times that we are angry. Sometimes we throw a fit. 
We have rivalries, whether they are spoken or unspoken. We have divisions and we envy people. And so he even gives this addendum there in verse 21 where he says, listen, and this is not just all of it, but and things like these. And he warns us. He says, if this is the ongoing pattern of your life, then you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, don't miss out. This is not him suddenly switching to a works-based salvation where you have to make sure that you check the list and do, don't do these things on this list or you're not going to make it. No, if the ongoing pattern of your life is these things or these types of things and you are regularly gratifying the flesh and that becomes the thing that you are most satisfied in, then the reality is that you have missed something in your life. You see, the ongoing pattern in the life of the believer is not that they get everything right and they check off the list. The ongoing pattern is that we're not content in our sin, that we struggle in our sin. It's not the absence of sin, but it is the absence of a settled defiance. When it comes to this list, the ongoing pattern for us should be repentance and faith. The gospel is not something that you get and then it's like, okay, what's the next thing? The gospel is the thing and we only move further into it. And so this internal battle that rages within us, God, the Holy Spirit helps us in those things. And we can figure out what those things look like. We can see the evidence of grace in our lives. And so when our lives are governed and when our lives are characterized by these these things on this list and not just those, but some others, then it indicates that we may need to ask some very difficult questions. He says, I'm warning you, if this is the pattern of your life, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. Because as we grow in grace and godliness, the trajectory of our lives is a growing obedience and a growing love for the Lord. And so he contrasts that list and he places next to it what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. And for a lot of people, if you've been around church very long, you know this list. It's love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and faithfulness and self-control. And there's no such thing as a law against these. But if we belong to Christ, he says, we've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. See, there's this misunderstanding for us. And sometimes we want to coddle that monster sin. We want to think of it as this small and insignificant part of our lives. We want to ignore it or perhaps just embrace it from time to time, thinking that we will control its frequency and its power in our lives. But what we don't realize is that the malady called sin, that monster inside, when we feed it, when we gratify it, when we give in to it, the monster grows and he grows stronger and stronger and his grip can get to the point where we feel like we're trapped. And we no longer have hope. We can get in a dark and a bad place. And so it's contrasted here so that we'll know that when we're walking in the Spirit, we need to be putting those things to death. We're supposed to crucify sin, all its passions and all its desires. How do you crucify sin? You need to know that if you're not putting sin to death, sin is killing you. If you're not regularly trying to mortify the things that would raise themselves up against the glory of Jesus and seek to have us disobey him, then we're not walking well. And if we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, we've got to continually put to death the passions and the desires that would lead us away from the glory and authority of Jesus in our lives. 
And he, and he walks in, and, and, and I love the admonition there at the end of chapter 5 when he says, now listen, let's not become conceited and, and let's not envy one another. In other words, this evidence of grace in your life, this fruit of the Spirit born out, is not a means so that you can compare yourself to others and say, I'm better than this person, or boy, I'm glad I'm not like that person, or this person could really use some more of what I do here. No, the evidence of grace in our lives is to remember that this is the work of the Spirit, and as we keep in step with Him, He continues continually conforms us to the image of Jesus. Now, because we know that we don't always uh, abandon the works of the flesh and we fall into sin, he, he tells us how we're to bear these burdens together. And he says, you know, if anyone's caught in the transgression, if, if we're spiritual, we should go and seek to restore them in a spirit of gentleness. Now, I want to make sure that we don't miss this. You see, we, we've gotten to this place to where we think that somehow we are uh, most loving when we just leave people alone, let them do what they want to do. It's none of our business, and we stay out of it. The problem is there is a, a part of our sanctification that happens in community, and God has always called a people together. And so when we see a brother or a sister and they have fallen into sin, the most loving thing we can do is not pretend that it's not there, not just overlook it and leave them to their own destruction, but we should go to try to restore them. Now, in this idea of restoration, we're given that we're supposed to go with a spirit of gentleness. And I fear that sometimes when we go, we just want to confront others to make ourselves feel better or, or, or we look down on those who are trapped in some sort of sin. But Paul's telling us, listen, you going to restore somebody, your ultimate goal in this is not to show them how bad they are. Your ultimate goal in this is not to make yourself feel better about what you're not doing. Your ultimate goal in this is to go gently with the idea being that you can see them experience restoration, that they would repent of their sin and come back. And he tells us we got to be on watch lest we be tempted. I find people all the time that instead of seeing sin as this dangerous monster, I, I see people that will go and they're not really going to confront people. You know, they're going to be friends with the world and we're just supposed to hang out with people. And I always hear the example, you know, Jesus hung out with sinners. He sure did. There's no question about that. But he also, in hanging out with those sinners, made bold statements, made life defining statements like go and sin no more. See that you don't do this anymore. If you think that Jesus just hung out with lost people and never called them to repentance, then you're not reading the same Bible I am. And we must be careful. If we just go in and we haven't gone to seek restoration, if we haven't gone gently to try to help these people by the grace of God see what's going on, then we're missing the point. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens together. We're supposed to recognize that we, we shouldn't see ourselves as anything. We should see ourselves only as in Christ. And we must recognize that we should love our neighbor and, and we should seek their good. And so he walks us through and he gives us an analogy that everyone understands. We shouldn't be thinking that God uh, is, is, not, is going to be mocked. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And so if you continually gratify the desires of the flesh and you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, and from the Spirit, you're going to reap eternal life. So let us not grow weary in doing good. It doesn't mean that we're never going to be tired, but let us know that this small and uh, momentary life, this, this vapor that we live in for a little while, is nothing when compared to eternity. 
So let us, even when we're tired, let us keep moving toward Christ. Let us beg of the grace of the Spirit that we will continue to conform to His image because in due season, we're going to reap the right things if we do not give up. And in so doing, let us recognize that our lives are not about us. We, we have died to ourselves to live unto Christ. And as we have any kind of opportunity, let us seek to do good to everyone, but especially to those who belong to the household of faith. Yes, there's a battle that rages within us. Yes, the evidence of which one is winning can be seen in the deeds that we live by and the ongoing patterns of our life. Yes, we're going to struggle. And in that struggle, we should go and rally around one another in gentleness and humility to seek their restoration and to show them the beauty of Jesus and to bid them to repent of their sin. We must do this gently knowing that it's only Christ that's good in us. And we've got to remember that God's not going to be mocked. And whatever we sow to, that's what we're going to reap. And so let us not give up and let us do good to those around us, especially to those in the household of faith. Today, tomorrow, go and give yourself away. Find a way to serve someone in the household of faith. Keep in step with the Spirit. Thanks for listening to the One More Verse podcast. For more information about Vertical Purpose or One More Verse, you can visit us online at johnnicks.org. I'd love to hear from you, so you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Just use the handle, the John Nicks. And don't forget, we've got a free app with additional resources. You can download it on the platform of your choice. The app is called Vertical Purpose. Thanks again, and join me tomorrow for the One More Verse podcast.